0: But your eyes tell you it's true. Shout. I'll turn up
1: the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. And welcome to episode 114 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100 dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle. And this is the June 2014 Daikaiju discussion episode, where we are going to be talking about The X from Outer Space. And joining me in the studio for this discussion, we have Mr. Brian Cook.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And Rachel Cook as well.
2: Hi there. Uh,
1: And as usual, we are going to get to the movie, and then we're going to do the reviews, and then we're going to do the news and we're going to listen to the max as it goes by, but we're also going to play some music. Uh, and actually Brian, you might be uh, thrilled to know that the very first track that has been selected for this episode is none other than the main title from war of the gargantulas. Yes. Yeah. By Mr. Akira Fukabe, And that was requested by Danny. opening theme from War of the Gargantuas by Akira Fukube and that like I said before was for Danny and then we followed that up with Godzilla's Resurrection by Masaru Sato from Ebira Horror of the Deep, Horror of the Deep or, <laughs> as, it's known, <laughs> or as it's known known, uh, Godzilla vs the Sea Monster and that was a request actually that was a request from Chad who just said anything from Godzilla vs the Sea Monster Godzilla vs the Sea Monster it's difficult to play on the podcast because I typically like to play songs that are over a minute, breaking into the two minute, sometimes three plus. And I don't know if you guys know this, but pretty much everything on that soundtrack is less than a minute long. There's really? only like a few things. And my when I load up the entire album into, uh, into VLC or my music player mm-hmm. and I just start looking at the times, I go, ooh, what's that? Oh, it's Mothra's song. Mothers' song three times on that soundtrack i believe and every single time it's has over two minutes long so uh we are going to go ahead and move along because once again class it is time for our daikaiju discussions every month the kaiju cast showcases one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts questions and reviews for the following discussion episode thanks to an online tool I've randomly assigned one film to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. This month, we're looking at Shochiku's 1967 singular kaiju entry into the giant monster landscape, the X from Outer Space, otherwise known as Uchu Kaiju Girara. Did you guys know that the monster is called Gilala?
2: Yes. I I like that name.
1: It's a weird name, especially uh because it's that rah-rah <laughs> so yeah. and then it comes across as gilala so it's weird to me but it's cool it's all good it's a weird movie in general and uh i'm a big fan of weird movies and actually i'm really excited you have not seen this before right rachel no i'm very and you have excited. yes I okay.
3: okay i convinced her to come tonight cuz i was telling her how much fun i was so
1: it's i'm sure she needed a lot of convincing yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, we are going to go ahead and play the trailer audio for that, and check out the movie, and we'll be back to review it in just a minute.
0: hinges upon the actions of Captain Sano and his crew. He has brought back a deadly secret from an unknown planet. Internationally renowned Eiji Okada plays a brilliant Dr. Kato. Lisa, our moon station. We'll go. We may find there the secret that will destroy Gilala. What was the mysterious substance he brought back from outer space that threatened to destroy the world? See Atomic Spaceship AAB Gamma face the terrors of the unknown. Spaceship AAB Gamma. The UFO. It finally came. So that's our friend. It's coming closer. Doctor. Yoda.
4: It's all right. I can take care of myself, Captain.
2: We have lost communications.
0: We've had no reply either. Yamoto! At the light! Please, send a rescue rocket. I'll go.
2: Lisa, hey,
3: you made it.
2: That was a close one, (laughs) son.
0: sir Hey, gamma the monster gilala is still loose your cargo is our last hope captain we've got to get this cargo
1: back to her we're going to run for it finished watching the x from outer space what do you guys think i dig it
2: it's fun i love i love the music
1: yes so the happy. music is interesting so i actually tried to look up um because a, a listener actually did ask about what was the deal with the music and um the guy who uh wrote the music his name is takizumi I couldn't really find much information about the guy. I'm not exactly sure if he's a composer or if he's just some sort of artist, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who just said, Hey, I'm going to write some cool loungy music. Right. Um. Honestly, it's not what I would normally care for in a film, but my God, is it like, it's so entertaining (laughs) Yeah. and it sticks in your head. It's catchy. Mm -hmm. It's catchy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, it's very different than what we're used to, and this is a different kind of film from a different film company. Uh, we I totally blew past the normal thing, and you know, uh, since we already established that you, Brian, had seen it before, and Rachel, you had not seen it before tonight. Uh, Brian, had you? How many times have you seen this film before?
3: Mm, I've probably seen it like three or four times. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah, I think I'm a, I'm about in that same camp, but. This is the first time I've ever seen it subtitled. Every other time I've seen it has been a dubbed version. Um I was showing these guys earlier that I have the uh I have the Japanese DVD which is a fantastic DVD. It's got the um uh it's got a subtitled version on it and it's also got the uh, an English language version which I believe is the international dub. Uh, one of the listeners said he watched an AIP print, so mm, yeah. I was surprised that that was that was an option. Um, I would very much like to see this done by AIP and maybe hear the same cast that we're used to hearing from Titra, uh, do the do the character voices. But you know, for the most part, I this was the first time I'd ever seen it. Like I said, the first time I'd ever seen it subtitled, and uh, I enjoy it probably a little bit less cuz it's it's one of the, this is one of those movies that I kind of feel it's it's fun it's a kind of cool kaiju film but I don't need to really see the I don't need to read the subtitles I don't need yeah. to actually hear the actors talking even though some of the actors we didn't hear them actually talking cuz they were you know yeah <laughs> yeah like in a uh, Monster Zero when Nick Adams is speaking in English and Clearly, Akira Takarada is speaking Japanese on, mm-hmm. on set, and they've just dubbed it. Uh, here, we got the exact same thing they do to the American actors in Japan when they go see them in the theaters, that they just dubbed them over in Japanese, Yeah, mm-hmm. which is too bad. Uh, yeah. Because I seem to remember that Dr. Stein having a really annoying voice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he acted annoying.
1: He yep. certainly was the most annoying character in the movie as far as a character goes. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to our normal thing. <laughs> Rachel, since this was your first time seeing the movie, what are your initial thoughts?
2: Uh great look to the monster. I like you said the music was so much fun and this is just it's such a wacky film. <laughs> it's kinda just bizarre stuff going on no it is definitely
1: wacky that is that is a good word for it
2: i i love the futuristic element to it of just that it's it's not set in current times it's set when we're going to mars and there's ufos and and we already have a space station on the moon and i it's it's great i yeah i I dug it
1: that whole this is what we think the future looks like uh but imagined in 1960s mm-hmm. like yeah. i love that kind of stuff yes. and you know oh yeah those films so not just fun. giant monster films i like you know i like science fiction films from like the 50s and you know early oh, yeah. 60s mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it's definitely definitely different than what we're used to mm-hmm. and then uh brian so this is was this a landmarks you know viewing for you in any way this is the first time you've ever seen it subtitled yeah yeah or? Uh-
3: in fact, the most I've ever seen this movie was the AIP cut going all the way back to when I was a young kid. Um but did, most recently did you have
1: it on VHS like a long time uh, ago? Or, or did disc. they show it on oh laser disc. Yep. Yeah, I think, a, uh, yep. Uh, I think nice. it was
3: it it was one of the double feature discs, if I'm not mistaken. But um I don't know what the other double feature was, but uh I believe it was a laserdisc. But yeah, I um <clears throat> I dig this movie. I think it's uh I love the retro futurism thing too. Totally. Uh, it's so amazing and and the music. I always sing the song and it has got to be annoying for Rachel cuz I will <laughs> I will hum it here and
1: there. Cuz you're not going to know the words. Yeah, <laughs> and I just make up noises. So. <laughs> but I knew <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah.
3: so great. But uh, uh I think the music really adds to the whole lighthearted flavor. It makes it kind of feel like a, a comedic kaiju film. And uh, I don't know if they're doing that on purpose or not, but it completely works and entertains me. So So. you
1: remember when we were talking about Gappa and I initially couldn't figure out if Gappa was supposed to be the parody or if X from Outer Space was supposed to be the parody? Yeah. Now that I've seen them both, not back to back, but really recently, I definitely consider Gappa to be the parody Because this was really... I mean, it wasn't... There was some goofy stuff in it, for sure. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of... I think a lot of the goofiness comes from the fact that it's just a a film shot in 1967. The effects don't hold up as well. And it's just not as serious looking today as it probably was back in the day. But Mm -hmm. it really was... I think this was the serious film out of the two. Uh, But I absolutely... I think what I would say is I adore this film. Yes. This film has a lot of qualities. Unfortunately, I've heard a lot of people recently talking about the charm of the older films, and this movie does have some charm to Mm -hmm. it. And it makes me, it makes me want to watch more movies like, like this. And I will say, like, I don't think there are, there, we don't get a lot of Japanese tokusatsu science fiction films that, they go into space. We see some, mm-hmm. you know, battle in outer space, uh, war in space, which we yes. need to watch.
3: Yes. And
1: uh, <laughs> you know, obviously Monster Zero and, and anyway, we don't need to catalog them all, but I do love seeing the idea of we're going into space to do X, Y, or Z, right. even though the human race at that time had no idea how to accomplish that. Right, yeah. yeah. At,
3: at 67, it's a couple years away before they land, before America lands on the moon. So uh, we were in space, but we didn't Yeah. know... Everything about it. There was no clear idea of what was going on. And, and this movie totally has, like, when they're flying through space, there's just a UFO hanging out, you know, buzzing them. Yeah. And it's never really explained. And that's just totally acceptable.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I love that.
2: And yeah. they keep sending people thinking, oh, oh I love it. yeah. Even though these people have died, they yeah. yeah. mention or yep. infer. And they, like, let's keep sending people out. And mm-hmm. the crew didn't really seem absolutely terrified like they should be. I, thought, the <laughs> I, <know. hairs> <laughs> I think, think a couple of them it. did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dr. Stein well, uh, well, seemed Dr. pretty Stein. terrified. Once yeah.
2: he was decided to go, sure. Yeah, he's yeah. a
4: yeah.
3: Do- he's a doctor, not an astronaut. It, that's, that's true. true. That's true. Okay.
2: Yeah. I guess that's. You what can you say sh- that in your bones voice if you want. Yeah. So. <laughs>
3: do I have a? Do I have no? I don't. I'm I, a doctor, true. not an astronaut. That's all I can do. <laughs> that's no good cut that out
1: <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that okay that's so fine <laughs> trying to go with this little editing here as possible even though I know it's impossible okay so let's get down to the brass tacks of it uh, Rachel what was something you loved about this film
2: the design of the monster so you definitely. really
1: like Gilala
2: I think Gilala is great I He's think pretty cool he, it, his head shape is very bizarre and strange and kind of like sideways Yoda ears and I'm a sucker for Yoda,
1: so I love it. So, uh, I want to bring up the fact that I think that Gilala's head design resembles the AAB Gamma, the Astro Boat. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I I don't know why exactly. It just kind of does a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you look at the two side by side, they don't look anything alike. But as we were talking, uh, either during or after the movie, I said... The, it I think it would be cool if Gilala chose to form its head that way because that's what it thought it was supposed to look like from the AAB gamma cuz it's even got the antenna and mm-hmm. the little the little suction cup yeah, thing kind yeah of thing. so i mean just like the AAB gamma had you know mm-hmm. all those instrumentation on top i i just think it would be kind of a cool thing or if maybe the you know the <laughs> I don't
0: remember
1: yeah. how to say that. If that stuff mixed uh, with the nuclear fuel that was inside of the, the spaceship, plus the stuff that was on top of the <laughs> egg, I guess. And that's what formed its, like, impression. And yeah. so, it somehow mm. took on some characteristics of it. I... I understand. It sounds ridiculous, but I think it sounds fun, it. and this is a yeah. fun movie. So
3: yeah. I even thought that was part of the plot when when I meant when you said that during the movie, uh, I, it was a little bit of a shock to me because I, I, I misremembered that that mm-hmm. was in the movie even. So
1: very cool. Yeah. So that's my only. Brian's holding the only figure I have. Uh, is there a, a manufacturer stamp on the bottom? I actually don't know. There's just a copyright
3: notice, and it says China, and then it has. those characters on it that i cannot read
1: Yeah, i don't know i so this is a this is a hard vinyl figure that i bought or that i got with the dvd set the japanese dvd set so i don't know who made it i should look it up on club tokyo to see if it's actually a mold from an existing an existing toy or something anyway brian tell me something you loved about the film um sorry yeah Stop looking at my action figure. <laughs> and talk about it. the movie. Um uh I'm a
3: sucker for anything space related and uh anything alien related. And uh like you said, uh the the, the retrofuturism stuff is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it's just a fun movie, man. I just dig that. I dig that so much. I love the lighthearted nature of it. And I I I really kind of miss that. There, there, there isn't a lot of movies that have that sort of vibe at all anymore. Not just specific to the kaiju genre, yeah. But uh, that was one thing that I enjoyed when Pacific Rim came out. Is it felt like it had a good sense of humor while not making fun of the subject. Yeah, yeah. And I think this movie kind of falls into that. Uh, kind of falls into that uh, category, whether they're trying to do that or not. You know, so i don't know
1: that's cool i think uh you know for me i think there are a lot of things to love about this you know we already talked about the monster design we already talked about uh the the retroism mm-hmm. and uh this, the one thing that i will say that we haven't said yet is um in the godzilla series and even in the uh in the the Dai stuff with gamera the monster roars are very canned So, even if they're, it's a brand new monster roar, they've created five or six for the film. It's almost like they have them on a sequencer and it's just like Godzilla Mm -hmm. Roar One, Godzilla Roar Two, Godzilla (laughs) Roar Three. But with Gilala, it's a dude. Yeah. And he's going. (laughs) (laughs) And I i just dig it <laughs> yeah. i think it's really cool and i think it's surprising that like the first time i ever watched the film i was like "Why? why did nobody do this before i know it sounds kind of ridiculous yeah but especially towards the end when he gilala's just kind of like
0: bah! Bah!
1: Bah! <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's tired yeah <laughs> the guy i could physically yeah. or i can think of the man physically trying to make that sound. He's just like, I'm dying here, Shojiku.
2: Kind of seems like he's flopping his arms around a little bit more, too, towards mm-hmm. the end, like when he's more tired. Like, this, It
1: Tell you what, that uh, suit does not look very comfortable no, or easy no. to move around in. No yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, he, he flat out falls down in the movie at some point, so he trips and falls so a little bit
1: uh so i actually am very curious are there any special features on on the the uh okay so this movie came out obviously came out on laserdisc as you said and it came out on dvd as well recently it came out on dvd here in america it was released by criterion right so criterion mm-hmm. is known for having a bunch of different releases and uh not releases, having a bunch of different content. So I'm kind of wondering, is the X from outer space, is there anything on there, Mm -hmm. any kind of information? Mm -hmm. So on the Criterion website, the description says, when a crew of scientists returns from Mars with a sample of space spores that contaminated their ship, they inadvertently bring about a nightmarish Earth invasion. After one of the spores is analyzed in a lab, it escapes, eventually growing into an enormous rampaging beaked beast an intergalactic monster movie from longtime Shochiku stable director Kazui Nihon hope I'm saying that right. The X from Outer Space was the first in the studio's short but memorable cycle of horror pictures. Horror? And that's what it says. Okay, then there's a video that they have on their website. and Instead of playing the video because it's all in Japanese, I actually wrote down what all the subtitles said, the important ones. Uh, they said special bulletin january twenty eighth, nineteen sixty seven, a hundred boys and girls were selected to visit Shochiko Studios. They were asked to choose the best name for a monster. Over two hundred and ten thousand letters arrived from across the nation. After a rigorous selection process, comedian Sampai Hayashiya presided over a ceremony during which the winning name was announced. What name did they choose? A participant Tomoko Hasagawa read the result, and then it's a girl and she says, we hereby name Shochiku's monster Gilala. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then there's not that much left in there. (laughs) Igniting the dreams of young fans across the nation, Shochiku's special effects masterpiece. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But aside from that, there's just not much information about this film and I personally would, you know, I'd love to know more about it. I was even looking (laughs) scrambling as it were, uh, through Steve Rifle's book, Stuart Galbraith's book, looking for information. I should probably check out, uh, August's book as well to see if there was any kind of information at all yeah. about the, the behind the scenes stuff for the X from outer space. Uh, now that being said, all that stuff is well and good, but is what, you know, there's some things that didn't hit the mark on this film? What were some of the most obvious or some of the things that bugged you the most about the film?
2: Hmm. I would, I would say that there, I don't know. There's definitely, um, some parts that were a little bit confusing as far as what was going on Uh because of the way they filmed it. And we kind of talked about that while we watched the film, but, um, but it was kind of strange. um, how they'd be it seemed like they would skip um storyline or Oh, you mean
1: like what we said where it seems like you should watch the ships take off and land, but they say, you know, there'll there'll be a scene where it's like, we're in space and then all of a sudden we're on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't get it, to see it, that. it seems yeah. to
2: jump around a little bit, which is could be just a filmmaker's technique or lack thereof, yeah. um but
3: very strange editing it was like kind uh, odd like when the when peggy Neal's character i can't think of what her character's name was, but uh, Lisa Lisa of course uh Lisa's pinned underneath the the green thing, and the science op- uh the gigantic lamp. vat <laughs> yeah la la lalanium. She's under it and then we cut away to Gualala and then we come back and then we just see people gathering up papers and it leads you as the audience to think like, Oh, did they give up on trying to free her? <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. it, then it cuts away and she's already free. Like that's, that's probably one of the best and biggest examples of how oddly edited this movie is.
2: And there was times when I thought, Oh, did I just miss something? Like did I? fall asleep or <laughs> i don't think i fell asleep like it just seemed to cut in strange spots where i'd go oh we're here now okay <laughs> <laughs> like it was just kind of odd but yeah but, uh, i would but it was, none of it was so dramatic where i was lost as far as the storyline goes um i just it was yeah it was still it's yeah. a
1: simple enough story
2: right yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's it's not really too convoluted where I felt confused, but, um, but I would go, Oh, did I, did I miss a, a short little scene or something? <laughs> so, but, uh, but I, I, mean, there's, there's not a whole lot for me to gripe about. I thought it was, it was a kick and I really thought it was a fun movie.
3: Mm-hmm. It had, it had, I would say this is, this is probably the harshest criticism that I could level at it because I do enjoy it. And I think it's, it's lighthearted and fun and all that, but, Its effects work is very suspect, and I understand that Shochiku, it's their only kaiju film, Mm -hmm. um, so they didn't have... Well,
1: I guess, I'm not positive, I'm imagining they did the 2008 film as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we could say it's the only kaiju film of the era.
3: Right. So, they don't have a lot of experience, so a lot of that model work and the planes and some of that other stuff looks particularly bad and actually it looks stereotypically bad it's the kind of it's the kind of effects that people make fun of this genre with you know what i mean and and that's i every time i think of people making fun of that sort of thing i think you know compare this to a toho film and you can totally see that there's a lot of work being done on the Toho side,
1: you know as as we were watching it, I don't remember exactly what scene it was, but I definitely remember saying to myself, "This is a valiant effort for Shochiku, mm-hmm. and they did a great job, but holy moly, this yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. shows what mastery there was at Toho, yes and yeah, the exactly. you know Subarai's crew uh one of the funny things this is not something I hate, but I just wanted to share like. We were watching the film and they were there. A car was driving through a winding road and the, there was something about the focus and the fact that we were watching a DVD blown up into mm-hmm. this massive screen. And I was just like, for a second, I was actually thought that it, we were watching a miniature that, yes. that was, <laughs> and then I, as it kept driving, they went to the hot springs mm-hmm. and I was just kind of like, Oh, that is a real car. <laughs> <laughs> and then it made me appreciate the miniature work at yeah. Toho a little bit more for the sixties. Anyway. Uh, so the thing that I, the takeaway that I have, or, you know, the, the, the least favorite thing I have about this film is that it's just, the script is not as solid as I'd like it to be. I mm. think, you know, the, I'm sure if I wanted to, I could sit there and poke holes, but there are, times when characters do things that i'm like why did you do that Mm -hmm. you know and when it happens enough for me to notice it in a film i think Mm -hmm. that's where you your your script problems are granted this is a film from 1967 it's not going to hold up as well as some of the newer films do but you know comparing it to other films in 1967 i would say that it could have they could have done a better job, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I am interested now to know more about the the rest. I've always meant to pick this up. The it's sort of a three movie uh set. It was called When Horror Came to Shochiku, and it's the X from Outer Space, Goke Body Statue oh, from Hell, which I have seen. Okay. The Living Skeleton and Genocide.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm more familiar with Goke. Um
1: four but, movies, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I'd be interested in picking that up just to have the set. I think one of the reasons I was disappointed is because this came out in the era of Blu-ray, and I mm-hmm. would imagine that if they had them on DVD, Criterion was going to release a Blu-ray version. Yeah. And, uh, you know, me and my white people problems, I just wanted <laughs> this, the best presentation possible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what are your takeaways? Like, you're, you're leaving the film, your final thoughts kind of stuff. Rachel,
2: um, I I thought it was a lot of fun. I I do think that Gilala is very charming, and I love the name. Yes, it's a great name and great little story behind that name that you shared. Um, but yeah, I I think it was it was a good one. But I I do think it's probably for more folks that are into kaiju already.
1: Right, right.
2: I would say, or even into just kind of the retro futurism type movies that true you know that true but i think that it it fits well in that genre so if you really love flash gordon maybe yes. this is a
1: film for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay but what about the you
2: soundtrack know? doesn't live up to flash gordon uh,
1: no no well, no, well you're talking about knows, the yeah. the soundtrack to the the 80s, 80s yeah. flash gordon okay uh, uh, yeah Right Noth- on. Nothing lives up to that, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, what about you? Final thoughts?
3: Yeah, uh, this is a totally diggable flick. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's one of those that you can have a good time sort of mystery science theatering the, mm-hmm. the movie. And oh, and, yeah. and don't take me the wrong way. I don't mean sit there and insult the movie and pick it apart. But uh, I, when I watch a mystery science theater episode, I'm lovingly uh, mocking the film and I think this is a movie where you can have a little bit of fun and it is there is there is a lot there to love you know so
1: yeah I think this is a fun movie and you know um Martin was going to try and make it unfortunately he is not able to join us tonight and it's I I actually do say unfortunately with all sincerity because I think that Martin would have howled with laughter had a <laughs> really good time uh he would have he would have pointed everything out but like yeah. why did they do this where were <laughs> they going you know and just the way that he does that mm-hmm. kind of stuff but i you know i think for him i'm going to have to make it uh you know we're going to have to have another viewing party for that mm-hmm. and uh my takeaways for the film essentially my final thoughts are this is this is a fun film and like i said before it's a valiant effort on shochiku's part to to cash in on the giant monster yeah, yeah. Uh, phenomenon in 1967, which is funny because 67 was when it was kind of already starting to wind down. Yeah, But I don't, I don't know if this is something that they thought they could continue or if they actually, uh, mm-hmm. if they were just like, no, we're just going to do one and done.
3: Well, there was, boy, man, I hope that I'm not wrong about this, but I seem to remember there was talk at one point of doing gualala versus gappa am
4: hmm.
3: i completely off base there i don't know maybe i'm misremembering um
1: i've but, never heard of it but that's know? not saying much because that you know there's a lot of literature out there that i have not been able to to ingest into my eye holes hmm. so i'm not sure on that uh but i seem to remember that being in the ether interesting yeah
3: so who knows
1: okay well uh I guess what I would say is this movie is probably best served to someone who's seen a majority of the kaiju films. And if if you have somebody, it, I would not say that you need to see all the Godzilla films before watching this, but, you know, this is better for someone who might be interested in what the other studios were doing, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, so Toho makes Godzilla, Daiei makes Gamera, what else is out there? That's when you show them Gappa and you show them Gilala. Right. Although I will say, I think Gilala, uh, or the extra matter space is a much better film than Gappa.
3: Ooh, yeah. I think I would agree with
2: that.
1: Yeah. All right.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree too. Good. You guys better agree with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. now we did get, uh, a, actually a surprising number of homework, uh, starting with our kaiju colonels, Benjamin
4: and Andrew. The XMR Space is a movie I've been interested in seeing for quite a while now. This is mainly because I'd first seen its distinctive kaiju, Gilala, in that commercial for the job-matching website, The Ladders, and wondered where he came from, as he looked far more than some generic costume-shot monster. Finally, for this month's homework, I had the impetus to add this obscure movie to my collection and give it a look. The special effects, understandably, weren't up to toe standard at the time. There were some bad composite shots, a few unconvincing miniatures, and at times I felt like Gilala moved more like a Super Sentai villain than the lumbering kaiju space chicken he resembles. However, I gave Shoshiku props for trying some pretty ambitious shots, such as the sequences where our heroes are forced to go extra-vehicular in space, or the vehicle chase scene with Gilala, which also ended extra-vehicularly. In terms of the story, it was a fun little alien adventure. The pseudo-futuristic world of commonplace space travel and UFO attacks reminded me a lot of Toho space epics of the 60s, in a good way. And even though it got a little goofy at times, I liked all the things that went on in that groovy moon base. From the moon bouncing, to your various communal shower-slash-bathing scenes. I will even give credit to the movie for at least trying to put in a love triangle of sorts. I know it really wasn't developed well, and wrapped up a little too quickly and cleanly, but what the heck. All in all, while it is a world-beater, I'm glad I finally saw the X from outer space, and would recommend that other fans of the genre give it a view.
5: If man ever does colonize the moon, I hope it's a lot like the moon base from The X from Outer Space. It's all fancy dress parties, fine dining, and sipping and cognac. And when you do head outside, the moon is essentially one big bouncy castle. And apparently in outer space, easy listening jazz music plays constantly. As for the movie itself... It's okay. It's definitely not my favorite. My biggest issue with this movie is the pacing. The first half of this movie really drags, having no hint of a monster until 45 minutes in. And when Galala does show up, we're treated to some of the worst special effects of the genre. But, you know, this is a really silly movie for kids. It's almost immune to criticism. I do like the design of Galala, it's easily one of the more novel monster designs. I also like the design of the spaceship, even though it has the clunky name AAB Gamma. When the guy was shouting the name into the microphone, I really, it almost sounded like he was saying, hey big llama. I also like the element used to defeat Galala was Galalium, very convenient. This is definitely not one I would show to someone as their first kaiju experience. It is a great one, however, to have a few beers with and make
1: fun of. And remember, if you want to join the ranks of the Kaiju Corps, just go to kaijucast.com slash support for the details. Now on to the rest of the homework. Unfortunately, Brian and Rachel had to take off. No big deal. So uh, we are going to go back to the old school way. I am going to be reading all of the homework myself, starting with Jace, who says... The X from Outer Space was an unexpected gem for him. Coming off of watching Gappa with an open mind, a big mistake as the film was basically unwatchable, he had pretty low expectations, but this movie seemed to have a lot going for it. For one, there are actual characters who develop over the course of the story, and that is something that seems to be lacking in other one-off-slash-obscure kaiju films like this one. Lisa especially seems to carry a lot of this film forward, actually caring about the characters made the scene in which Gilala attacked the rocket ship facility meaningful. The UFO slash alien plot seemed... The UFO slash alien plot point seems a little underdeveloped. In general, it felt like the studio set up a film that could have easily had sequels. The motivations of the aliens would be revealed. We would get to see Mars. Maybe Gilala would come back and face off against other alien kaiju, etc. But sadly, this film only got a pseudo-sequel in the Monster X Attacks the G8 Summit, which was more parody than anything else. Gilala was a ridiculously fun kaiju. The goofy antenna made all the difference in the design. In general, this film is in the category of campy kaiju, like the 1970s Godzilla films, ...and the Showa Gamera films. Measured against those, this film comes out looking pretty great. Jace is thankful that this was on the Daikaiju discussion homework... ...as he's been putting off watching it for the better part of a year... ...assuming it would be garbage. It was a pleasant surprise to find this an enjoyable entry in the genre. With a name like The X from Outer Space... ...Clyde almost didn't watch this movie... ...and the main title theme didn't help much... ...but he's glad to say that after watching it, he enjoyed the film... It's obvious that any money was put into the special effects, and the set designs, to say the least, were impressive, especially the moon base. The only effect shot that failed, of course, the UFO. Apparently, someone forgot to make the UFO in pre-production, and they had to put something together at the last minute. The characters were believable and somewhat interesting. You gotta love the 60s typecasting with the female leads, though. Would it have killed them to make the captain of the ship a female? At least the doctor. Come on. The monster looked like an irradiated mutant Teletubby. The best it had going for it was its entrance into the movie, which was impressive. Literally stepping out of an exploding mountain was not too shabby. The scenes with the monster attacking the city were subpar. At some points, the suit's design flaws really showed. Clyde liked the cockpit shots from the attacking jets banking left and right, He also gives credit to the suit actor for putting up with two jets actually smashing and exploding into the suit's head those shots were brutal using the spores found on the ship that spawned the monster was a unique solution and a good plot device to return to the moon base and thusly dealing with the giant flying pot sticker again an interesting demise for the beast to be reverted to its original state and then subsequently shot back into space to orbit the sun As a lifelong kaiju fan, being raised on the likes of Godzilla, Gamera, and King Kong, Clyde enjoyed this movie. As he said earlier, he was really impressed by the set design, ship design, and the visual effects altogether, but the soundtrack, meh. Chase watched The X from Outer Space and felt that it was a great movie, but the kaiju design was bad. The effects are cheesy, like when Miyamoto put down his clipboard and it flew away for some reason. But cheese is good sometimes some moments are pretty cool, like Michigo's spinning desk. Chase does have a question for the effect of low gravity. Did they just tape the guys jumping on a trampoline and slow it down? He liked the spaceship Gamma. Its design was original and very sci-fi, with spinning dishes and purple flames coming out the back. Who wouldn't want a toy of that? He also liked Miyamoto and his goofy acting, like eating with two forks and his ability to make everyone in the room laugh. The award for Biggest butthole goes to Dr. Stein, whose complaint about the food puts him on the list of least favorite characters. Chase was thoroughly happy when he did not return. Gilala is a poorly designed kaiju with its frilly arms and awkward legs and huge thighs and arms that point out, along with with its annoying roar.
0: Yeah,
1: you're welcome. I did that for you, man though he liked the fact that it used its arms and tail freely to destroy any building in its way, giving it more personality. The X from Outer Space is a great movie for the cheese factor and could be high on his list of favorite kaiju movies, if not for Gilala's horrid design. Chase gives this film a total of 8.5 out of 10. A great flick, except for lackluster kaiju designs, mixing good human parts and kaiju destruction. Back in Adam's review of Gappa, he stated that Gappa was one of two lesser-known monster movies released in Japan to capitalize on the popularity of Godzilla and Gamera. Gilala is the other, released by Shochiku in 1967. Though not well-regarded among die-hard giant monster movie fanatics, The X from Outer Space has a uniquely peculiar charm that's hard to describe. It's a light-hearted film with a beguiling 60s Agogo sensibility and a city-trashing monster and what a monster it is. The creature looks less like Godzilla and more like a giant, freshly plucked chicken. Gilala's incessant bellowing, be sure to turn the sound way up when you watch this so your neighbors can share in the fun, also does a good job of setting him apart from more familiar monsters. Unfortunately, the script is what really holds this movie back from being more than a goofy, monster-weak fixture on local stations, as as it contains many plot holes. Despite that, The Extra Matter Space is a fun movie and a must-see for any monster fan looking to expand their horizons. The Extra Matter Space slash Uchu Daikaiju Gerara, definitely one of the greatest monster movies ever. Herman loved the spaceship designs in the era of sci-fi movies, and this era of sci-fi movies because this was back when outer space was fun and imaginative, before NASA had to come along and ruin everything with a disgusting, vile, unpleasant thing called reality. Gilala is such a silly design, you can't help but love it. It's similar to the kind of kaiju that Ultraman or Spectraman would fight. Also, there's something about seeing these non-Toho kaiju films that he never saw when he was young that gives him this entertainment edge. They have more of a mystique because they didn't seem as commonplace as the Godzilla standards. This was one of those movies where back in the day before the internet, you could possibly catch the last five minutes, think, cool, what the hell was that? And then you'd never see it again and eventually start to question your own memories of it even existing. Herman finds Peggy Neal rather nice to look at. She was also in Terror Beneath the Sea, and he still hopes the kaiju cast will have a discussion on that movie, which we probably will. All in all, The Extra Outer Space is one of the movies that reminds you it's awesome to be a kaiju fan. However, he would probably only show this to a seasoned kaiju fan, and would start a novice with GMK instead. This was the first time Rick had seen The X from Outer Space. He enjoyed the blonde and the monster. Well, it was a really bad monster. The melting was his favorite part. After seeing the new Godzilla film five times in the theaters, this was the first movie that Kyle and Gary saw together. And what a first movie to see after Godzilla. Kyle didn't like this movie at all and was bored through the entire thing. There wasn't a lot of monster action. Every time the monster action started to get good, they cut away to the humans. Overall, he would give this one out of ten atomic blasts and would not show this to a new kaiju fan. Gary says, Jump aboard the AAB Gamma for an epic journey to the planet Mars. Then stick around as the great kaiju Gilala wreaks havoc on... Okay, okay. Gary can't do this anymore. And neither can I. First, can someone at the KaijuCast please, please, please explain the score for this movie? He just can't get past it. Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster was out there, but this brings it to a new level. As for the movie itself, Gary admits he's a sucker for any kaiju film of this era. 5 out of 10 atomic blasts. To completely not answer your question, I just can't really find anything about this this, uh, composer. So, sorry man. Matt and his dog Ashley report that the imperfections of the extra-matter space are exactly what makes it Matt's number 1 kaiju movie guilty pleasure. Is the music repetitive and not quite right for the genre? Sure, but it's catchy. Do the actors spout out laughable dialogue? Yes, but they do so earnestly, and Matt can't help but admire them. The special effects aren't so special sometimes, but he can't fault Shochiku for being ambitious. The space travel scenes are pretty good. Some of the action that takes place on Earth with Gilala versus the military falls well short of the Toho level effects. The first and last Kaiju movie effort of theirs was a good start, and he wonders if they could have what they could have achieved had they continued making movies like this. What did he learn from watching the film? That making giant monster movies isn't easy, and really should be left to the professionals. But the extra outer space does have a certain charm and manages to find its way into his Blu-ray player surprisingly often. The first thing that struck Rob was how much the extra matter space plays out like an American 50s sci-fi movie. You have the stereotypical group of astronauts with their fearless leader, emotional female biologist, comic relief navigator, weird guy who bugs out, etc. And there's loads of questionable, implausible science Gwilalade, I can't even say it. Gwilaladium? Anyone? They even hit an asteroid belt, which he thinks was law for space movies of the 50s. Rob does enjoy the monster, even though it's as goofy as any he's ever seen. However, its rampage on Tokyo is fairly unspectacular and offers little we haven't seen before. In fact, Other than the design of Gilala, there isn't much about this movie that stands out at all, except for Lisa's histrionics, upon being trapped under a fallen beam. He'd recently watched X from from Outer Space, but decided to watch it again for the homework because that recent viewing left such little an impression on him. Not as good as Godzilla, or as bad as Yungari, it just kind of hangs in the middle as a Me Too kaiju film. Chris found The X from Outer Space to be a deliciously campy and random film. He enjoyed it. Miyamoto losing his clipboard because of no gravity on the AAB Gamma was his favorite scene. He actually liked the way Gilala was designed. The combination of giant reptile and strange robot head was uniquely cool. He has also never seen a kaiju turn into shaving cream when shot down. He also liked all the models used in this film and found it similar to the models used in Thunderbirds. If you want a kaiju movie that's campy to the extreme, this is the movie to watch. Paul watched both the subtitled and the dubbed version of The Extra Matter Space and can't think of one positive thing to say about this movie. The worst part was that one annoying song that they used throughout the entire film. Well, I'm just going to uh, slightly apologize to you, Paul. Paul. The X from Outer Space is a film that could only have been made in the 1960s, with its main theme that sounds like an up-tempo redo of The Girl from Ipanema. A retinue of players that looks like the cast of a Jerry Anderson Thunderbirds film prayed to the Blue Fairy and were barely turned into real people. A moon station that looks like it was interior that its interior was designed by Eva Gabor, straight off the farm with Eddie Albert and spacefaring technology nicked from Barbarella when she wasn't looking. Even the comedy sequel, Monster X Strikes Back, couldn't intentionally reach the same levels of goofiness. Peggy Neal is possibly the most annoying Westerner Mike has ever seen in an Asian film. If she were any more of a blonde airhead, she'd be an heiress to a hotel chain. A lot of people complained about the lack of Godzilla in the new film, but this movie is more than halfway over before they even remember that they were making a monster film in the first place. It's essentially two films, Goofy 60s Space Opera, then Goofy Kaiju Yega. It actually almost seems like the pilot to an unmade TV series, and Mike can imagine the further adventures of the AAB Gamma crew as they tackle invading aliens, space pirates, giant monsters, and plug up ruptured space hulls with their rear ends. Mike likes how the fighter planes, more than once, Kamikaze dives straight into Gilala's face, and he also likes how Shochiku looks like it lifted its own version of the Mazer Cannon from Toho. Gilala himself is an okay monster. The suit is well-made, if not well-designed, in contrast to several TV monsters who were well-designed, but not well-made. But he still prefers Gappa. At the end of the day, Mike probably likes the fact that movies like this exist more than the movie itself and he can't think of much more to say than that. Dos watched the original AIP dub, which he's always enjoyed more than the international dub that opted for ridiculous accents for several of the characters. The movie is insane enough, and the addition of the silly accents in the international version is just distracting. But where to begin? Transporting nuclear fuel by station wagon? (laughs) Sending a seventh crew to an area where six crews have been lost previously? A UFO that probably has nothing to do with the titular monster. The Japanese government choosing Gilala for a code name because... What? All outstanding stuff. Seriously, we are getting into some Plan 9 territory here, and that is a good thing. Gilala is pretty rad-looking. He's not sure exactly what they were going for design-wise, or why Gilala's head is rather cyborgish, but hey, whatevs. Gilala himself may take a while to show up, but that's okay, because the real highlight of this movie is the human cast. Between the bizarre, non existent love triangle story and Dr. Stein's constant complaining, he could easily watch two and a half hours of X's human drama, and that's not even getting into all the bizarre relationships going on at the moon base. And the soundtrack all two songs. <laughs> It's like frosting on an already amazing chocolate cake. In conclusion, this is a movie Dose would gladly show to anyone regardless of their interest in kaiju. At the end of the movie, two of the characters talk about how love takes courage and that's what they learned from the monster. Obviously, right? And at the end of the day, isn't that the kind of message we all need? Deep stuff. Robin has been looking forward to revisiting this film in the company of the kaiju cast for quite some time now. He's only seen it once before, but it's a fun watch and he really digs it. First off, Gilala is a truly awesome looking monster. Everything about the design is spot on gold. He especially likes how the arms and legs bulge out of the body, giving him a unique physique that gets even more accentuated by those wavy ridges going up and down. As far as the design goes, Gilala is virtually running circles around Godzilla and many of his ilk. Robin also liked the fireballs he was spitting. The only thing that didn't look so good about him was how his hands were flapping around when he walked. Like the suit's gloves were too big for the actor to wear. But aside from the flappy hands and a couple of composite shots of people getting trampled by a huge foot or claw, trying to swipe at a car. The movie looked really good, with nice sets, beautiful explosions, and exciting city destruction. Having a bunch of news reports from different parts of the world reporting on the coming of Galala was a nice touch in selling the feeling that this was a serious monster and a serious threat, giving him some worldwide Godzilla-esque notoriety, despite not having any previous movies to back him up. What was up with the first footprint they found in the lab? If the monster melted his way down into the earth's core, why would there be a single footprint several feet from where the egg spore thing was lying? And even if he did crawl all the way back up out of the hull, how could he, in his tiny little form, have made a dent in the steel, concrete, whatever that floor was? Considering how many spores the flying pierogi saucer left behind on the astro boat, Robin would say there would be quite a lot of reason to panic at the thought of how many Gilalas are out there in space. The plot wasn't Shakespearean in the least, but the movie remained entertaining throughout. And he would definitely show this to a newcomer as he feels it encompasses all that is wonderful and fun with the genre. Danny says, wow, that was one weird mama-jama of a movie or mamma jamma of a movie i'm not exactly sure what you mean there danny of all the movies one would expect to get a quality release from the prestigious criterion collection the last one you'd expect would be the extra matter space but thank goodness this unlikely combination became a reality allowing this oddball edition of the kaiju genre to be preserved forever for the amusement and befuddlement of future generations Created as Shochiku's first foray into the sci-fi fantasy genre, this deliriously whacked-out film could have easily been lost in the shuffle of the late 60s kaiju flicks. But its unabashed weirdness and innocent fun has turned into a cult classic, and allowed its monster star, the bizarre space chicken Gilala, to join Japan's pantheon of classic monsters. That said, it's not what he would call a bad film. It's just so goofy in every respect that you can't help but love it. It's just a fun movie, and that sense of fun is found in everything from the plot to the characters to the music. That main theme, which is played to death in almost every scene for the first half of the movie, is so darn catchy, despite often seeming very out of place with the visuals presented. Wow, we're flying to the moon! Theme song! Look, a flying saucer! Theme song! Our death is imminent! Theme song! song! The characters are, like the music, ridiculously perky. Seriously, they're, they're, these are the happiest people ever, always giggling and enjoying their swinging space lifestyle. They may be too happy, as they don't seem to take their jobs as astronauts very seriously. Danny's not sure he'd let these guys park his car, much less pilot a spaceship to Mars. But their happy-go-lucky attitude is part of the film's charm, as are their strange and hilarious off-planet adventures, including the dreaded Butt cheek in space, which uh, he'll never be able to unsee. Unfortunately, one of the film's iffy points is in the last place it should be, the first appearance of the monster. Gilala's birth and onslaught, which should have been the film's strong point, actually slows the film down. Twice now, he's nearly fallen asleep halfway through the movie, right when Gilala shows up. But the film eventually gets back on track, showcasing some pretty impressive special effects along the way. The climax, however, is not in the defeat of the monster, death by shaving cream, not a pretty way to go, but in the decision our heroine Lisa makes about her love for Captain Sano. On-screen interracial relationships were still taboo in the film industry at the time, and the sweet Lisa was an unfortunate victim of this. The entire film is really a product of its own time, and its groovy characters, music, and main monster has ensured that the X from Outer Space will stand the test of time if only for a kaiju and cult movie fans. This probably isn't a wise choice to show a kaiju newbie, but for any lover of rubber-suited monsters, it's a film that cannot be missed. Bring on the Legendary Pictures' dark and gritty reboot. Ah, there you go. Thank you guys so much for submitting your homework, your thoughts, questions, and reviews for The X from Outer Space. I had a ton of fun watching the film with Brian and Rachel. Unfortunately, they couldn't be uh, around to help me tackle the homework, but uh, we will get to pickled ginger next time. Don't forget that if you want to submit your pickled ginger, which is a trivia palate cleanser, just go to the contact form and select the pickled ginger option before you send in your trivia questions for us. Uh, That is going to do it for the Daikaiju discussion for this month, June of 2014. Want to know what we're watching in July? Well, we're going to continue with the 1967 theme, and we are going to watch Gamera versus Gauss. The Let's see, that would be the third Gamera film. And this one is also done by Noriaka Yuasa, so it's going to be focusing on the kid aspect a little bit, but not as badly as it is in, you know, Zegra, Giron, etc. So if you want to have your homework turned in, Thoughts, questions, and reviews. Please make sure to submit that before Friday, July twenty fifth, so that I can get it put into that uh, my little notes here, and we can have it for the next episode, for the next discussion episode. We are going to play a request before we get into the news. This one is for Robin, who submitted his Daikaiju discussion homework, and he wanted to hear Damon Alexander and the Ten Cent Rentals song, "The X from Outer Space." <laughs>
0: I've Around my door. you United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan.
1: You know, I kind of don't feel like covering a lot of the news that's out right now. There's there's some stuff, and I'm going to bring it up. I will say this. Definitely go check out Sci-Fi Japan because they have posted way, way more Godzilla news then I feel like we need to cover here. They have a preview of Godzilla Worlds of Earth volume 3 trade paperback. They have uh, announcements on uh, a whole bunch of books that are coming out. There's a Godzilla anniversary program happening in Korea. There's just a bunch of stuff going on but not a lot of it is really relevant I think to my interests and I would imagine your interests. If you're the kind of person that buys Japanese books, I kind of tend to do that, too. Definitely go check them out. Uh, There are specifically, I think, three books, two of them that I'm seeing right now, Kaiju Dai Shingeki, The Modeling of Godzilla, and Toho Special Effects All Monster Encyclopedia. Those are coming out, I think both of them are out in July, or... Yeah, both of them are coming out in July, You know, that's not it. That's not all, too. There's also a Yuji Kaida book coming out in July. There's just a ton of stuff. Lots of releases in Japan because you know why Godzilla comes out in Japan on July 25th. So uh, I know this is going to be a really expensive month. July is going to be really expensive for me because I've got G-Fest and then I've got other stuff. I'm rambling. I don't need to ramble. I can go on to the actual news that I did want to cover, starting with... A brand new Godzilla game? Apparently, there's a Godzilla game being developed for Japan's PlayStation 3 platform. We don't know that much about it, so I just wanted to briefly touch on it and say, yes, I know about it. I've seen the trailer. I'll have a link in the show notes to that trailer. And a link in the show notes to uh, a brief article about what we know so far. And hopefully more will come out about this because uh with the amount of buzz that has been generated just from this small snippet of information it's pretty clear that kaiju fans in america or i'll just say english speaking kaiju fans that we are ready for a brand new Godzilla game for the next gen platforms or if you're in my situation the platform like the 360 <laughs> so uh that's a uh, one news item the other news item that i wanted to bring up was that uh, a lot of people were holding their breath to find out how Godzilla was gonna do in china, and i'm happy to announce Godzilla did gangbusters in China, which is a code word for doing really well. it did really well and is continuing to do really well uh and you know with it opening next month in japan let 's hope Japan jumps on board and If you want the numbers for that, the very first weekend. Godzilla grossed $37 million in China. And it uh, opened uh, the second weekend in China. was It earned $31,777,000. So, yowza. Nice work, China, on getting in about $69 million for Godzilla. Uh, if you're interested in the grand total for Godzilla... Uh, The grand total worldwide so far, Godzilla has earned $478,485,100. So, awesome. (laughs) That's cool. I think that's really good. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this on another episode. I saw the movie for a fifth time, and I think that I'm at the point right now where I can just really enjoy watching it. Like, the, the stuff that bothers me doesn't bother me anymore. The stuff that was surprising obviously doesn't surprise me anymore. It's, uh yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to it coming out on, on DVD and Blu-ray. Okay, and the last thing I wanted to share is some semi-breaking news. Uh, good thing I recorded this after Brian and Rachel left because this was not a thing before, uh, while they were here. Uh, apparently, Guillermo del Toro has a very special message for us about Pacific Rim.
3: Hello Legendary fans Guillermo del Toro here I'm in Toronto, Canada finishing up Crimson Peak A Gothic Tale Coming Your Way 2015 But I have a bit of good news to share with you From now until April 2017 We're going to develop a new animated series for Pacific Rim Continue the comic book series that we started with Year Zero And most importantly creating a sequel for the film I'm working on this with Zach Penn and Travis Beacham, And we are all very happy to be bringing you more Kaijus more Yeagers kicking each other's
1: butt. Boom! Who called it? That was me. I said it would be awesome to have like a CGI version of a prequel in the form of a television series, a la Clone Wars. And the man Guillermo del Toro, hopefully, is going to deliver. I'm looking forward to that. Also Pacific Rim 2. What? That's really cool. So, uh, there you go. There's our news section. There's one more thing I wanted to share with you guys. Um, that's not news, but it's a Kickstarter. A listener to the show, Eric, uh, is running a Kickstarter for the Legends of Cthulhu retro action figure toy line. I'll have a link in the show notes to that. If you're a HP Lovecraft fan, these things look awesome. If you've seen the, uh, the super seven alien series where they did them in the old Kenner style action figure stuff, this is what these guys are doing. And, uh, right now there's 11 days to go. I hope this gets online tonight. So there's still time to donate. They have already exceeded. Oh man. They've almost doubled their goal, which is really rad but they do have some really good stretch goals. So check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes, of course, to that. And then the last thing I want to talk about is we have a brand new commentary coming out. Tomorrow, Saturday, the 28th. Yes, Saturday, the 28th. Brian, Rachel, and Jeff are coming over and we're going to record a commentary for Godzilla versus Gigan. I'm looking forward to it. I have been... Uh, shoveling information about Godzilla (laughs) versus Geigen into my eyes and ears and every which way in between that I can get it. And I'm really looking forward to talking. And I hope that this one is actually going to be a little bit more professional, but still retain the same fun atmosphere that we have in our commentaries. So, uh, I'll let everybody know on via Facebook and through a link on the KaijuCast website as well when that commentary is online and ready for downloading. I really only have a couple things to say for catastrophic events. The first is if you catch this episode in time and you're in the San Leandro, San Francisco Bay Area, definitely go check out Godzilla Night happening Saturdays, June 28th at the Historic Bow Theater. If you need to hear more about it, I'll have a link in the show notes to it. Other than that, the only other uh, event, catastrophic event that I really want to push is G-Fest happening July 11th through July 13th in Chicago, Illinois. I'm going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it. There's really too much to talk about to really just like shove it into uh, the end of this episode, shoehorn it in. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll have a link in the show notes to G-Fest website. If you are there, if you go to G-Fest and you see me, Let's get a picture together. I would love to have like a really rad photo set of me with listeners that would just really make my year, I think. So uh, I'll see you guys at G-Fest and, and hopefully you see me and say hello. Make sure to come to our live podcast, The Sound of Monsters. Yeah, that's going to do it. I got nothing else for you guys. So uh, if you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and want to find out more what we're all about. If you maybe haven't been listening for a long time, just go to KaijuCast.com or uh, search Google for Godzilla podcast. I think we're still the first result that comes up. The website shows everything there is about us. And uh, we have links in the show notes to the articles that we're discussing in the episodes. We also have the links on the side to all of our social media platforms stuff. I got to get back into doing videos because we have a YouTube channel uh, I had a hard drive crash and lost everything, which included a whole bunch of really great stuff from Japan. So I'm hoping to try and refix fix that stuff, uh, but I will be shooting some video in Chicago for G-Fest, so I hope we're going to see more stuff from that soon, uh, and then last but not least... Please do subscribe to the podcast. If you are an Apple user, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you are a Zoom user, we're still in the Zoom marketplace. Uh, If you don't have a good way to access us on like an Android app, you can use Stitcher. We're on Stitcher, Uh, and for the moment, I'm not sure how long it's going to last. I know I keep saying that, but we're still on the Mediocre Radio Network as well. Anyway, that's going to do it. We're going to close out the show with one final request, and that is going to be the first track from Godzilla, the brand new Godzilla by Alexandre Desplat. And that is for Kyle and Gary Johnson. I'll see you next month in Chicago if you're going to be at G-Fest. But until then, Jamata.